comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 33 of Nashville Untold, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I'll be hosting Mike Lemieux. I I have seen my dad just crack open and let out so much love and beautiful emotion, and it's taught me that it's okay for me, a man, to be open. It's not weak, it's strong, to be able to express yourself, to be able to help other people. Mike was born and raised in Tempe, Arizona, just outside of Phoenix. He's married to his amazing wife, Ashley, and they have a cute dog named Oliver. Over the last several years, Mike has been a pioneer and leader in the social media and influencer marketing space. Mike has worked with thousands of influencers that have created tens of thousands of branded posts for hundreds of of the world's top brands. Mike was the director of campaigns for influencer marketing startup Instafluence, which sold to Disney in 2015. In 2017, he started his own social media consulting company, Mike Social. Mike teaches brands and individuals how to grow and monetize their social media audience through e-courses and coaching. Mike's mission is to help Good companies and good people dominate their life and business using social media. Mike and I had a great time hanging out. Actually, I had uh, followed him on Instagram and had reached out um, after reading several of his posts and his wife Ashley's posts. Thought he would be a a great fit for the the podcast. So um, he um, gladly joined me out at Shelby Bottoms Park. And it's it's. Tell you what, Nashville weather's crazy. I guess it probably is kind of everywhere. I'm sitting out in my shed quarters right now. Got the, uh, well, I had to put the, the windows down so I didn't get too much noise. But I think it's about 60-something right now. And and last week while we were recording the uh, the interview, it was maybe like in 30s or below. I don't know. It was really cold. Anyways, Nashville is very moody with the weather. Um, so you never know what you're going to get from week to week. Anyway, so we had a great time hanging out and um, great hearing some of his stories, some of the um, just with the transparency him and Ashley have on Instagram and just all he's doing in the social media space. And I personally could use use them uh, with everything I'm doing uh, with a lot of consistency and bringing it all together. So anyways, I know you'll get a lot out of this interview. And after the interview, Ted Yoder from episode 25 playing the hammer dulcimer. He joins me as the musical guest, so make sure you stay tuned for that after after Mike and I chat for a bit. All right, hello Nashville. Today I am sitting down in uh, East Nashville with Mike Lemieux, and uh, he is a social media guru. I'm sure you have a different term for that. Guru works, yeah. Um, so I will give us a give the audience a. A little brief description of what you do. Yeah, so about a year and a half ago now, my wife and I and our dog, we moved out here from the Phoenix area in Arizona. And we just live up the road from here, not too far, a couple minutes away. And what I do is I coach and mentor businesses and individuals 
that want to grow their business and really dominate their life using social media. And I got my experience and my background comes from I helped grow a startup that was working with social media and social influencers, which are people that have a lot of influence or, or audience on okay. whatever platform. And we sold the company to Disney in 2015. And then for two years, I was working for them, doing the same thing, just on a bigger scale yep. for brands and apps. And in 2017, I parted ways with them and decided to take the leap and finally go on my own and create my own company. So that's what I do now. Yeah, nice. And you did you yell freedom when you got out on your own? Uh, yes, I, I did. Yeah. So Mike doesn't know, but really the only reason I called him in here is because I got a whole notebook and we're going to sit here for like four or five hours and he's going to get a whole plan for me and everything. <laughs> I had the feeling that that's what this was about. Uh, no, actually, uh, it's funny just, you know, getting on on Instagram and, you know, following this person here in this podcast interview. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting person. And, oh, this, you know, and I've, I've kind of actually used the Instagram like people that I follow are, are potential people, people that would be I'd like to interview. Yeah. Or are interesting, but usually that's someone to interview. Sure. That makes total sense. And so yeah, I found uh found Mike on there through listening to Donald Miller's podcast and hearing somebody else he interviewed who interviewed uh, Mike's wife Ashley and yeah, there you go. And the rest is history. It's all And now we get to hear his story. Yeah. It's all just one giant rabbit hole. It is. That's what that's what's so fun. And I actually even find like back in the day if you sat here and you dropped names, it was like, all right, where's the broom? You kind of feel bad, like, you know, you're just doing it to, like, say who you know. But sure. now it's fun just to go, hey, how, how can we connect? Who do you know that I know? Yeah. You know? Uh, which is probably the uh, the benefit of social media, right? Yep. All right, so let's uh, let's dive into your story. Um, all right, let's talk about the childhood memories. What did your environment look like, and how did it begin to shape who you would become? I'm the fourth of five kids, and we grew up in the Phoenix area, like I said. I always loved being with my family, playing with my friends. I was very go-with-the-flow type of a guy, which has served me very well because my wife likes to create the flow, and so we have a good dynamic that mm -hmm. way. I remember being very curious and always wanting to learn and never really anything stuck out to me about this is what I want to be doing with my life. When I was little, I wanted to be a doctor or a scientist, mm -hmm. but then I smelled those gas masks that you, yeah, that you get in the hospital. Cause I had some surgeries when I was a kid. Okay. Didn't want to be a doctor anymore after that. Have you ever taken biology or chemistry or anything? Yes. Yeah. When I took those classes, I didn't want to be a scientist anymore. Gotcha. So you're, you're in real estate. We were just talking about that before we turned the mic on. And uh, I actually, in college, when I was studying just business management, because I didn't know what I wanted to do, I was actually a real estate appraiser. So I enjoyed that, but it wasn't the area that I wanted to continue in. So what happened was I realized that, like a lot of people, after I start doing something, I get really into it. And I kind of just forget about everything else. And I just go really far pretty fast with that thing. Any other like environment, like did you have brothers, sisters? What was the? Two brothers, both okay. older. Okay. Two sisters, one older, one uh, younger. Okay. I remember, and if they ever listen to this, they're gonna laugh and may, maybe a little be, maybe a little embarrassed, but 
when we were little, my parents, they were part of an MLM called Amway. I think it still mm -hmm. exists. Mm -hmm. And they would go to these seminars and rallies, which I guess are their big conventions. And uh, by the time my oldest brother was old enough, he and the rest of us would have a, a great bout in the house because no one was watching us. It was right. just us. And it was called the Great Lemieux Battle. Oh, yeah? Nice. And so my oldest brothers were a year apart. They would like fight it wasn't really violent or anything of right. course but uh and then my older sister and i would fight and my little sister would just get tossed off of my back whenever she got back up off the floor and uh so that was fun we had a good dynamic we're all still very close good you know see each other at least once a year everybody gets together um really close family a lot of love there very lucky to have all that um did your parents make a killing in amway no. no. No, growing up, there wasn't very much financial security. Um, that that did shape a lot of what my environment and experience was like. Um, my dad worked super hard. He still does work super hard. He's in his 60s now. And mom ended up working once we were old enough for her to, to go get a job because there was somebody there to watch. Right. But no, times were times were tough sometimes when the economy was up times were better when it was down it was tough so I would definitely say that my outlook on work was very formed by all of that that happened when mm -hmm. when I was growing up for sure yeah definitely yeah. all right so now we'll jump into your teen years uh, were they exciting and what kind of activities were you involved in and um, how did those years continue to uh, mold you yeah teen years were very cool I kind of realized early on in my high school years that I was actually kind of a sensitive guy. Not like you could tease me and I would go cry, but I was spiritually sensitive. Okay. And I don't know how it started happening where I realized this, but I just remember I just remember there were times where I would be connecting with people on a very deep, meaningful level whether it was a friend or a group or my mom or my dad or a sibling. And I didn't really pay much attention to that, but it was there and I knew that it was there. Mm -hmm. I was interested in, in volleyball when I was, when I was uh, in high school and that was a lot of fun, mainly because the, the baseball team cut me in middle school because I didn't even hit the ball once during tryouts. So volleyball, there were no cuts. <laughs> But and you and you had height. Of it. How tall are you? I'm six three. Okay. Yeah. So I can't tell that from uh, from social media. No, you you can't. <laughs> you can't. So it was fun. I had exciting experiences in in high school. Didn't really love it, but got through it and uh, made made the best of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Were you like straight A's? No. No. I failed a few classes in high school, mostly the math ones. Um, ended up with a 3.0 GPA, which is better than some, worse than, than others. Yeah, so. yeah. My oldest is loving math. He's knocking it out. And I told him I was always good at math until word problems, And uh, which I told him, I was like, maybe that's the difference now in how they're doing math. I don't know if you know how they're doing math I don't. now, but it's, it's totally different. And I can't really speak a whole lot for it because my wife does a lot of the homework with them. And uh, she's like, "Hey, can you help?" I'm like, "Ah, it's too much to learn," um, but he can he can knock it out. But they but they they're teaching it more from a understanding aspect versus yeah. going, "Hey, memorize and do this," 
and I think that's probably the benefit in word problems. And uh, right. yeah, I wasn't geometry wasn't great. Um, all right, so talk to me about your experiences at Arizona State University. Your major? Um, were you serious? Coasted through college? Um, or had too much fun, and why did you stay close to home? I stayed close to home because I didn't have a lot of money, so I lived at home. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, I, I went to a junior college for the first two years just to get my general education classes done, got them done, uh, transferred over to ASU. I, I actually served a mission for my church when I was 19 until I was 21. I went to the Dominican Republic, uh, learned Spanish, Still know it. A lot of fun. Love the Caribbean. Love the Dominican people. Yeah. They're awesome people. Love the food, the music, dancing. Now, was this why you were in college, you said? No. Okay. This was, I took a break from college okay. and uh, went and served a mission and then came back. Got, got a lot smarter while I was out on my mission. I learned how to learn. And my GPA, my GPA improved. I was about to say that was probably a wise choice. I, I wish I had done that. Yeah. Taking a break. I think a lot of people now do take breaks. It wasn't really that big of a thing even 10, 15 years ago when I was when I was doing that. But I think developmentally, people thrive a lot more when they're just away and exploring and traveling and things mm -hmm. like that. So um, went to Arizona State. It's a good school. Uh, it was known to be a party school. It's getting a little bit more serious nowadays, but I wasn't a big partier. And um, yeah, I get back from the mission field. You had a different perspective, and yeah, I yeah, imagine much yeah. different perspective on on life and right. work. And was ready to was ready to get my degree and get into the workforce. But I uh, I think that what was difficult for me was figuring out what I wanted to do exactly. Like I said, in, the, in my earlier years, nothing ever really jumped out to me that I was super passionate about. Mm -hmm. I changed my major several times and never really felt like anything was jumping out to me. And then I decided on business management with an emphasis in entrepreneurship. That was my, my exact major. But then I was like, well, <laughs> entrepreneurship is too focused, so I'll just go back and just do management. So yeah. that was like my second to last semester and finally finished it up there and um, graduated. And from there, just went into the workforce. Nice. Um, I was I wanted to design cars. And it's funny to even think back to mm -hmm. the like 10 years. I remember getting my eyes checked. I'm like, hey, I could be an eye doctor or you know, I worked for a convenience store and I don't know if I ever thought I wanted to own one. Probably not. But the guy that I worked for was super successful with it. Um, but then I was like, all right, I'm going to design cars. So I'm, I went engineering route That's and cool. then I was never serious. Um, and uh, so I went business route. And, we actually uh, have a 1958 Apache. OK, now. OK, is that a like a Jeep thing? It's a it's a Chevy. Is that the blue one in your pictures? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I didn't know if that was yours or yeah. if that was all right. The ultimate cool. Instagram prop. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> nice. I love that. Um, you you should loan that out to the Peach Truck. Yeah, they <coughs> they can hit me up if they want it. He uh, do you he know? was just on your your yeah. podcast, right? <laughs> his truck. I mean, he's had, I forget the year of his. Um, I don't know what it's called actually, but it's like an old Jeep, I think. Okay. But he uh, he was leaving, and he was having he was he's Cranking doing the it. gas, and so it was funny because you just think, man, you get in our cars, and it's just a push button, and and he said something about he's like, yeah, I gotta I gotta watch it because like you could smell the exhaust. Oh coming. yeah. 
same it was, thing. Yeah, that's same thing. funny. You got to warm it up for 10 minutes before yeah. you can even think about putting it in, in gear. So, Well, I do remember back in college, I had a Mazda B2200 and uh, a little lower, had it, had it dropped, you know, in the back and and it had a carburetor. Mm-hmm. And so it was hitting around 190,000 and I would hit some of these mountains and well, more hills, but I would... I would go down it at like 90 and by the time I got up it because of the elevation I was like at 55 and I hated it because I can't stand people that can't drive I don't like it when people can't drive consistent <laughs> you know and so here I'm like 90 and then they're passing me I'm like I hate this yeah, yeah that's funny that's funny all right so uh so you get out of college you take your first job at Kroger or as people in the south call it Kroger's Kroger's yep isn't that funny? Yep. In Arizona, uh, it's called Fries. Fries, really? Yep. Kroger Fries. It doesn't sound. Kroger owns like oh, 17 so or 18 that's banners. actually what it's called. Okay. Um, so your experience sounded a bit like mine. If if you yeah. wanted to move up, I uh, you had to be willing to move, and well, you didn't. Uh, it was just you know the journey of moving up took time, right? I had to move if I wanted to uh, to move up, and mm-hmm. I wasn't ever willing to leave Nashville, thankfully. So how did that job help you figure out what you did and did not want to do as a career? The main thing that it helped me figure out was that I didn't want to be on someone else's timeline for my progression. I was ready and I finally figured out that, okay, school is done. I need to make money. I need to love what I'm doing. I need to help others. Mm -hmm. I was able to help a lot of people. I managed 120 to 130 people at a time. I was making more money than I ever had. I think I made like $7,000 in the first five months of my my appraisal job. I did real estate appraisals right. right until I graduated college and then I went to the grocery store. Now, was that a two-year stint to get into your appraisal like it is now? Was it a tough journey? It to was tough. Okay. You had to have like 200 <clears throat> yeah. appraisals or something like that. Um, tons and tons of hours. But yeah, I drove all around town. Mm-hmm. My My car got pretty messed up. Gotcha. Lots and lots of miles really, really fast. So working for Kroger helped me kind of understand a lot of what I didn't want. I didn't want the corporate red tape anymore. It's a great company, but I was being told that I would have to wait several years in order to move up to, to a store manager. No matter how good I was, how smart, how dedicated, how much harder I worked than anyone else, it didn't matter. And it kind of just stifled me and I, I felt I felt stuck. I, I didn't want to feel stuck. Mm-hmm. I wanted to move forward. And so I decided that I needed to figure out a way that I could have a job that I loved more. I also wanted to make more money. My bank account started going down mm-hmm. because expenses unexpectedly started going up. I decided to look around and see what I could do in order to create a job for myself. My wife had started her her company. It's called The Shine Project. She employs first-generation college students. And you're still in Phoenix at this time, right? We're still in Phoenix at this time, yep. This was 2012, 2013. Okay. I looked around and I saw Instagram started getting more popular and people had been getting followers. And I said, I wonder if I can send her jewelry to these people, these girls that have followers, and I wonder if they would share about her company with their followers and increased sales. Maybe that will help create a job for me. So I started doing it and it worked. And sometimes it didn't. Did you see other people doing it or did you just come up with the... No, I just I just thought of it. Okay. We She had blogged before, just about life. She was a blogger before, um, before Instagram started growing. 
and we had advertised on other people's pages. Some of our friends actually that live in, uh, in the Madison area, they were some of the bloggers that we met, two families actually. So, you know, it was kind of a tight knit community and we, we would advertise on people's sites and it would drive sales that way. And so I just looked at this as another medium for me to kind of promote the product and get it out there to market. And so it didn't exactly turn into a job for me working with her, but that was okay because it turned into a, a place or a, a position at a different place. I joined as the first employee of a startup that was working with brands and apps to grow using these social influencers. Didn't even know that this, that's what it was called back then. I was just trying to promote this product right for mm -hmm. my wife. And so I did that on the side. So I was working about 55, 60 hours a week for Kroger or Kroger's, mm -hmm. in case you're not sure what that is. <laughs> yeah, I do call it Kroger. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <But> yes. <laughs> and uh, working 55, 60 hours a week, had two days off, was working eight to 10 hours a day on my days off, mm -hmm. uh, trying to grow the startup, trying to, or trying to, trying to do this for my wife. And then I was doing a side hustle to see if I could make more money. She paid me like $1,000 or something like that for a few days work. And I said, wow, is there plenty more where this came yeah. from? Because this is a lot of money for me. And this is very interesting. Mm -hmm. This doesn't even feel like work. I just really like doing this, right. creating this content. I did this for about two months. I prayed about it a lot. And I said, I want you to hire me. She didn't have any employees. She had her sister as a partner and some other guy in the UK that doesn't even didn't even work there very long after that. She freaked out, I freaked out, she felt okay because I felt comfortable. I said, I feel comfortable because you are comfortable and we realized that after that none of us were comfortable, we were all just insane. And right. um, I quit the stability and security of the corporate world at the most stable you know, grocer in the entire world as far as I know and left mm -hmm. to pursue something that I had been praying for. Felt very grateful. Our team grew. We did millions of dollars in revenue the first two years. A little less than two years after I joined, we sold to the Walt Disney Company. And I continued in that role as the senior director of campaigns with my team, managing and doing a lot of business for mm -hmm. a lot of really big brands, working with the biggest people on social media that you know and don't know. And um, it was amazing. Now, so your wife hired you, right? Is that, did no. I get that right? Okay. So. No, I, w I had initially tried to create a job with her. Okay. But it was slow. Your resume didn't look good enough she's, for her? She's tough. Yeah. She doesn't hire just anybody. <laughs> she doesn't She doesn't care. Right. She's tough. No, she's, she's great. Uh, it just turned into something. It would have been a slower grind mm -hmm. getting to that point with her. Okay. And this other opportunity came, and it was just immediately I knew that something very special was there. Yeah. It might have been $1,000 paycheck in, for three days. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. Could have been could have been that, could have been other things too, but I just felt that this was an opportunity here, and I, I was scared, but I took it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so speaking of um, Ashley, how did you meet, meet her, and uh, how did you propose? I met Ashley through some mutual friends. She served a mission too, and she was on her mission not too far from here, over in uh, Cincinnati area and part of Kentucky, and we had a, we had a mutual friend who had a picture of her on her on her desk. Good friend, they were really good friends. And I looked at her picture. I said, "Who is that?" 
And she said, oh, that's my friend Ashley. So she was still gone for like another year, got back, uh, started hanging out. She, she's not here, so I can say all it right. all I want. That's why I like this situation right now. But she and I were really good friends with mutual people, but she didn't really know who I was. I knew who she was. The first time we actually hung out as a group, we were salsa dancing or something, and she didn't even know I was there. She, to this day, has no idea that I was there. Whatever. That's fine. We're married now. <laughs> I was texting with three of her friends at the same time, just, you know, having different conversations, and she was with all of them, and she said, who are you guys texting? And did you know she was with them all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew. And and they That's all nice. said that they're talking to Mike. And she's like, well, who's Mike? I want to talk to him, too. So she gets my number from them and starts texting me. And she says that she just didn't want to feel left out. And I said, whatever. You knew exactly what you were doing. Uh, that is hilarious. I know. She's so I mean, silly. that's so funny just to see the difference in how, I mean, that a texting conversation is kind of what started you to some degree, right? I know. This was in 2009. Okay. And... So texting was, it was a thing. Right. It was more popular than when I was, like, growing up. I mean, when I was growing up, cell phones weren't even there. My first cell phone I got when I was 18, you know, 33 now. And I started texting with her, but I would call her. Mm-hmm. And I would just talk to her. just wanted to know how she was doing, see how her day was, what she was working on. That kind of stood out. Mm-hmm. Guys, if you're listening to this, you're single, call her. Don't be scared. Anyway, I'm done preaching. Yes. Then... We started going out on dates. Uh, it was, we started going on a few dates. Then we just were friends for like a month or two and then started hanging out again. There was something special about her. So I just, I wanted to see what it was. First time we kissed was November 16th. From that time, we hung out every single day. Things happened very fast. Got engaged on Christmas happened even faster. We were going to get married like in May, moved it up to March 6th. So by the time, from the time that we kissed till we were married, it was not even quite four months. We had known each other for a few months before, but it was pretty crazy. So what I did on Christmas was I created a little scrapbook of some of the memories that we had created, the experiences we had had, like all three. I did that once in college. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All three or four of those experiences since we've been dating for like a month. Okay. Wow. <laughs> a month and a half. All the dates that I couldn't afford to take her on so that we, we just did. And I put it in, in this little scrapbook and she was going through. And then the last page of the scrapbook said the proposal. Insert picture here. That's awesome. And so she's, she was super confused. She's like, what does this even mean? And her sister was filming it, the whole thing. And she, which she thought was super weird because it was a book. Right. And then she was looking at it. And I was sitting next to her. She was confused what was happening. So I got down on my knee and I asked her and then she said yes. And uh, so that was how I did it. Yeah. That's with a, awesome. With a scrapbook that I put yeah. together. Is it, it? Was it funny that it's like, you know, when you try to do something surprise and they don't get it and you're just like, oh, man, it didn't go exactly how no. I wanted to. No. No. It, I know what you mean. It was cool, though. Yeah. Because I, I didn't. I didn't care what her reaction was. I wasn't hoping or expecting you anything. You knew she was going to say yes. I, oh, man, I hoped. I was nervous. I was super nervous. So, uh, that's yeah, awesome. it worked out. That's cool. Um, and well, that's another thing, too. Whenever you got friends, you're like, sometimes it's like, hold on, how did you meet? We don't even know the story of that. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, all right, so let's uh, let's talk a little more details about um, what exactly you do with the social media um, and influencer marketing space, and go in a little bit deeper into like what you do now. With sure. That. When I first started, I was helping social influencers create and sell merchandise like T-shirts or little purse things, and that was good. Made some money from that. Then I decided I want to help people learn how to do this for themselves because I can't do it for everybody, but I can teach people what I know. I've got a lot of experience. It's very valuable. So I started to create a course, a digital course, and I created a, a coaching program so that people want to learn how to do it for themselves. They can read my content or they can hire me as a coach to teach mm -hmm. them. Do you, you know what the Enneagram is, right? Yes. Everybody, Actually, some people were just talking about it. I think they interviewed somebody on their podcast in their life group. Everybody yeah. in Nashville and Austin and now the West Coast is getting into the, the Enneagram. Whoever, whoever you are, <laughs> you are smart. And you just made a billion dollars, I bet, because people just love to know uh, about themselves. Right. It's just, a, and well, I won't say... I. I don't know. I don't think I've done it, but I've done a handful of different tests. Myers-Briggs. Uh, yeah. And you're in this square up here in this and I and E and ABC. Except after C, I think. Yeah. I before, I don't know. Something know. like that. Something like that. So uh, I'm a two, wing three, which is a helper with an achiever wing. I love to help people. I don't know why. I do. It just, it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. That's how I am right and so coaching seems like a natural fit for me i enjoy helping people that want to learn that want to take it seriously that are ready to change like i was i know the great blessings that have come into my life because i've experienced it and i know how to help other people get it too so i like helping people get unstuck i created the coaching program and the courses and i sell it now and um you know, do lots of Instagram stories and posting and things like that. I help my wife with her, her content as well. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So, so curious, um, how much time goes into a thought of a pick of a post mm -hmm. whenever your intention is to, well, to put it out there to get some traffic, right? To share too, because obviously you're very transparent and that is a serving, helping part as well yep um but yeah i'm curious like just with uh, a really creative post like how much thought goes into that there's actually people that are critical of this industry are gonna laugh mm -hmm. but those that get it won't they'll just nod their head mm -hmm. it takes a ton of work this isn't just posting pictures of your food like it was in 2011 12 13 this is connecting with people vulnerability, consistency, originality, mm -hmm. it's difficult. Because if you think about it, how much can you possibly talk about every single day to strangers when there's it's a one-sided conversation normally, right? Mm -hmm. It's difficult. So you have to be pretty thoughtful. The things that help the thing that helps me and Ashley the most is we'll go to a location. We were just in Hawaii. Mentally, I'm actually still there. So oh, I bet. if I don't make sense, that's that's the reason. But we'll go to Hawaii or we'll go over to Memphis a few hours away, whatever it is. And we'll take pictures there because we're in a new environment. Mm -hmm. You're inspired. And then what I typically like to do is go to a place where I can have quiet. And I try to feel what would my audience 
want to hear today. It's based off of things that they've sent me in a direct message or commented on a different post, responded to an Instagram story, an email that I got, and I just try to help one person. You know, people always say if somebody raised their hand, they have a question. There's like 20 people that didn't raise their hand to have the same right, question. Right. So that's what I realized. We're all very similar. If we focus on helping one person, and, and like Zig Ziglar said, if you give somebody what they want, you can have anything that you want if you're willing to do it enough for enough people. Mm -hmm. So that's what I realized. I just need to help others because I genuinely love it. But that's what they want. Everybody just wants to progress and everybody wants to be mm -hmm. helped. Which is, it's really interesting. The other day I was, I was walking out to the, my, my shed quarters, my office, and I was like, all right, I need to post something about, about real estate, remind yeah, people yeah. that I'm in real estate. Um, and then I'm, you know, people that know me know, they would say, man, you're crazy. So it's fun to come up with some crazy ideas. So I was like, all right, it'd be cool. So I got a, I got a two bikes, my boys bikes. And then I got this little four wheeler, you know, battery operated. I mm -hmm. stuck it in the middle. And I sat on a four-wheeler. I had Natalie take a pic, and I had two stuffed animals on the bikes because the boys weren't here, and I posted about the traffic, you know, being slow, but, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> and so it's just fun to, you know, come up with some crazy creative idea. Um, but on the flip side, um, it is it is really interesting to see the engagement and activity when you actually share. Like, usually it's, it's like probably anniversary or a birthday or something where I am get thoughtful, and I'll talk about the sure. marriage. and you know and the struggles and you know the growth and being real and and it's just amazing the act how much more activity you get out of that do you know and what it is people love you being real yeah they love relatability mm -hmm. they yep. love to know that you're actually a real person mm -hmm. they love stories mm -hmm. they like to know that you know what they know or they want to know what you know right so if you open up and you're consistent and you're not too heavy. Right, right. Everybody has stuff that they've been through. Everybody does, no matter who you are, right? But if you share the positive as well as the, the tough, mm -hmm. that's when the engagement happens. Yep. That's when the growth will happen in them and in you. Well, and then obviously people, well, it's great to see growth. So when you're stuck, you hope that you're able to reach out and move forward, which is encouraging that, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. That's too, right. You know, that's right. Um, all right. So shout out. Um, shout out to a favorite local restaurant and a favorite nonprofit. Favorite local restaurant. I loved Little Donkey, but they went out of business. Not enough people loved them? I I guess not. That was in Germantown. Okay. I uh, honestly probably my favorite restaurant maybe in the world is Monell's. Mm. Monell's in Germantown. We went there on Christmas Day for our lunch. Amazing food. Family style eating. Yes. A lot of food. The, too. A lot of food. You go in there, it is the best experience of your life. I'm not kidding. If you like food, you will love Monell's. Just pace yourself. Gotcha. There's yes. there's plenty of food. You will have to be rolled out if you're not careful. Best place. What was the other question? Uh, nonprofit. Nonprofit. I love my wife's nonprofit. She raises scholarship money to send first generation college students. It's it's for profit. She employs them to make the jewelry, but she also has a nonprofit with it. Okay. It's called the Shine Scholarship Project. All right. Awesome. 
All right, so many people are striving for balance in their lives. You stated in a post, but isn't it crazy how now our lives have become so busy that we just don't have time to do the things that really matter most? What is the key to not letting busy define who you are? I was actually having this conversation with a, a friend yesterday. I think that... I heard you, but I was bugging you. Yeah. That's how I get my content. That makes my sense. Questions. That makes sense. I don't remember posting that either. <laughs> um, I don't know how philosophical we want to get, so... I'll, as philosophical as you want. Cool. I believe that the adversary or the bad guy, Satan, the universe, the bad side of the universe, whatever you want to call it, I believe that the biggest tool that exists for us to not focus on our goals and not progress is distraction. I am in the world of social media. I, I lead part of it mm -hmm. in the things that I do, the people that I work with. I have the ability and the power to influence tens of millions of people through what I do indirectly. I've seen people waste their life through social media, through Netflix, through the newspaper, the magazines, the TV shows. But I've also seen people come out of poverty from social media, come out of the depths of hell from social media. There is good and there is bad. So the balance is you don't let social media use you as a tool. Mm -hmm. Social media is your tool. What do you do with the tool? You built this amazing camper. Probably used a lot of tools. Mm -hmm. Did the tools use you? No. You used the tools to build this camper. We use tools like social media to build our lives. If we do it that way, we are able to put the phone down. Because we understand that I'm not going to go mindlessly scrolling through feeds of stuff that I don't really need to consume. I'm going to create rather than consume. And I am going to be able to manage my time so that I'm able to do what I want with it, not procrastinate the things that I need to get done because I don't want to do it and I would rather just sit there and use my thumb mm -hmm. to run my life and consume, consume, consume. Right. Which is interesting. So would you say that people who are just stalkers on Facebook that don't ever post or like or they're just there, is that a it would you would that be a good or bad thing? I mean, we want people to look, but like if, Cre creators want people to consume. Right. If you're the consumer, it could be a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with keeping up with your family and your friends and people right. that you never talked to in high school, you know. You, you want to see what they're doing? Sure. But how frequently are you doing that? Yeah. Is it a distraction? If it's a distraction, then it turns into a negative thing. So it's just making sure that you are the one in charge of your time. Right. That's when the balance occurs. The balance isn't you're giving 50% of your time to your work and 50% of your time to to your family and 50% of time to your, to God or whatever you believe in and 50, like that's already 150%. Mm -hmm. The balance comes that I believe when you are the one who's in charge of doing whatever it is that you want mm -hmm. with your time. Yeah. And two things I will note one, you can unfollow and not unfriend. So when you're 
seeing stuff that's like, oh God, that's so negative or whatever. It's like unfollow, like right. Just, and then on Instagram, Dude. somebody had a, a podcast. Somebody that has a podcast, like follow me, and uh, it wasn't something I needed to see. I was like, I blocked it because. I don't need to see that, you know? Sure. And um, uh, I had another thought. Oh, on your phone. If you think you're not spending too much time on it, go check out your... uh, Screen time. Screen time. Yep. And you could go, wow, in the last 10 days, 20 hours on whatever, you know? On what? And then if you have a family or whatever, it's like, yeah. Yeah. So those are some tips of keep yourself accountable. Good tip. All right. So you also posted, uh, we're all, wait, let's say it again. You also posted, we've all had feelings of why am I here? Am I doing what I'm meant to be doing in my life or am I living my life to the fullest? Finding your passion in life is difficult. For some, it seems impossible. If there is a locked treasure chest filled with purpose, how does someone find that key? I, d- I said that. Well, you didn't say the last part, but you said the first part. <laughs> no, I could tell. That, that was pretty good. Yeah. Wow. Was. Yeah. That, I'm impressed. No, which, I'm just kidding. Which kind of ties back to what you were saying over there in the busyness. Like now it's like purpose, you know, how do you, how do you find that? So the question is, how do you find your purpose? Yes. If you had a key to, you know, people are looking, there's a treasure chest full of purpose for everyone's life. Hmm. And uh, how do they find that key? The only thing, my house is pretty, not because of me, because of my wife. But you do like doing the, the decorating on the uh, the porch, Shh, right? Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> yes, I do. You have done your research. I, I love decorating my porch uh, in the fall and in the spring when flowers are finally able to, to survive again here in Nashville. Bless your heart, Nashville. <laughs> um, the only thing, though, that I picked out in my house, with the exception of some of the things that are in my office there that I have, is a very small dish, and it has a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it said, the only person you are destined to be is the person that you decide to become, basically, something like that, to paraphrase it. And and I, I, just, don't, I just don't believe that we have to be anything. I believe that we get to choose. I believe that there are things that God would like us to do. We each have different gifts, mm-hmm. right? Different callings. Different callings. I do believe that. I believe that there are things that he would like us to do as opposed to others, obviously. Like a parent would rather have you eat your dinner and not throw it all over the floor if you're a right. kid, right? So I, I believe that. But I believe that the those things are already inside of us i don't believe that there's something that we have to go find i believe that we have to look inside of ourselves it's in you that's not cheesy that's for real mm-hmm. it's inside of you already i i some of my clients i i do an exercise with them to where i have them go stand in front of a mirror and just look at themselves have you ever looked at yourself in a mirror in the pupils i don't know Maybe not that close. You should. When you look at yourself in the pupils and you stare and you start to talk to yourself and give, we call it positive affirmations, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're strong. Stuart Smalley. You're I'm smart. Enough, I'm smart enough and doggone it, people you're, like me. Exactly. Doggone it. <laughs> doggone it. When you do that, you can start to open up that chest that you're talking about of purpose and passion. Mm-hmm. 
also, I believe that you have to just go try to do things. You're not going to know what you like unless you try to do it. So I think you have to get out there, put mm -hmm. the phone down, put the computer away, but turn the TV off and go and do things. Agreed. Yeah, we're in, in our life group. Well, actually, our church, we got a series of your calling, which I don't remember all, but he went around like solo cup, you know, five different aspects. And even last night I was listening and it's really interesting because you have somebody that, you know, has a bent towards, you know, leadership or whatever. Sure. Um, but then within your calling, there's a fear that goes along with that. Yep. Um, but it's also as I'm listening and I'm hearing someone say that, you know, yeah, they have. So we were talking about um, the prophet um, and, you know, kind of defining it as modern day. Um, and the fear in that is that it's all my fault. And so one guy in there said that, yeah, that's kind of how he feels. And I'm thinking, I mean, unless it's my fault, I'll own up to it, but I'm never going to admit it's my fault if mm -hmm. it wasn't my fault. Right. And, but then even I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, all right, so you got a calling and maybe these triggers make you think you fall within this calling. Mm. But yet how many, um, even from the negative side, how much of your young environment influences yeah. where you get stuck and how you go, no, 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 I, I'm, not, I'm not like, I think I was listening to the apostle aspect and I was like, man, a lot of, like half of that defines who I am. The other half I think too, but I'm not doing it effective because I'm stuck and spinning out in other areas. Yeah. So that's where I think you really got to be, you know, introspective and do that exercise. And I, the last year I've, I've had some great conversations and pulling a nugget out here or there and. Um, and even realizing that there's a lack of trust that I've developed over years. But then fast forward and hearing a podcast and this guy talks about you get to the point where you don't do the things you need to do. And then you go, OK, I'm going to do it. And then you don't do it. You do that enough. You begin not to trust yourself. So I realized that actually the trust problem, I think, is within myself, not within others. I mean, it could be, too. Um, but I think it takes all of that to really understand you and mm -hmm. then to gravitate towards your actual calling or purpose or gift, you know? I totally agree with you. Um, so, yeah, it's, and I'm over there sitting there listening to people talk, and I'm just like, yeah, man, makes me think, you know? Um, pretty crazy. Deep stuff. It is. It is. And you got to get deep with yourself. And if you are stuck, that's what it takes. You do. You know, it takes to look at yourself and ask others. And I mean, it's just really amazing how just having one conversation, like we have a new teaching pastor who started church in East Nashville, but now he's at ours. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have no agenda to have coffee, but I'll throw out something and then he comes back and I'm just like, oh, man, I never thought about that. You know? Yeah. All right, so uh, share with me the importance of traveling with Ashley and how it has helped heal both of your hearts during a very tough and emotional time in your life. To elaborate on that, obviously, if people do follow both of you on social media, they, they know some of the story that you dealt with. Um, so, so kind of expand on how traveling has helped heal that. Um, and sure. that being, you can talk as much as you want to about that as well. Sure. So if you're not familiar then what you can do to learn more about our story, like Andrew's talking about, is uh, on my wife's Instagram, Ashley K. Lemieux, 
if you don't know how to spell that, I don't blame you. Sometimes I forget, uh, but I'm sure we can get that tagged somewhere. But mm-hmm. Ashley has been on several podcasts where she describes in detail sort of what's happened. But in a nutshell, we became permanent guardians to a four and a six year old in 2013. And we raised them for just about four years. Uh, and we were in the process of adopting them and it was unexpectedly heavily contested so for about a year and a half we were in court trying to fight to adopt them and keep them and we lost them and it's just been a little over two years Mm. that's one of the reasons we moved to nashville um the main reason after we lost them everything was tasteless senseless I didn't care I didn't care about anything it was tough when you believe that family is the most important thing that you can have in your life and it's taken away Mm -hmm. what are you left with you're left with the things that aren't as important in your life so we didn't know what to do we had the idea that, hey, we've never been to Europe. Let's take three weeks. And, you know, I was able to take some vacation time. And she was an entrepreneur, still is, and she was able to take a break. And so we went to a few different places in Europe. And it was crazy. We called that our rediscovery trip. That was like three, three months, four months after we lost them. Traveling opened my eyes. It's very interesting when you see your world go in its routine that you create for it to when you leave that world and go to, to other people's worlds, especially when it's in a different country or when the language is different, you realize that there's so much happening literally right now that you will never know unless you get out there and go see it. And guess what? All of those other people have said or had or experienced difficult things too. But you would never know unless you actually go out and do. And so it was good to, to go do that, to understand that you're not alone, that there are a lot of crazy things that happen. But it was also good to immerse yourself in a new environment that you had always heard about maybe or never had, perhaps and you could experience new things. There weren't so many triggers because you wouldn't walk out of your bedroom and look across the hall and see the two empty bedrooms that were there now. Mm-hmm. You would look outside and see the Eiffel Tower. That was pretty cool. So putting yourself into new circumstances, <laughs> new circumstances, new situations. Creating new stories. Creating new stories giving yourself a place and a space to heal to move forward not move on Mm -hmm. but move forward that's how traveling helped us yeah that's awesome and you still travel quite a bit we do just obviously like you said with pictures too but just yeah that's the uh, you know one of the things interviewing musicians being one because they do a lot of traveling it's that's the one common theme is getting out and experiencing different cultures it just kind of opens your minds it up, does. minds up to others and 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 just me driving from portland to nashville 
three weekends in a row and Yikes. going through the Rockies. It was beautiful. beautiful. And like if I had never experienced that, I would never realize how, how much beauty is just a few hours away, yeah. you know? And then that's not everywhere else. Like, oh my goodness. So yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Did you travel much in the, uh, the blue truck? That's what I'm calling it. The furthest we've traveled in, we actually, Ashley named it Miss Tennessee. Okay. So Miss Tennessee, if you're watching, you're, you're not actually Miss Tennessee. My truck is. You're a blue truck. Yeah, my blue truck. Uh, we, the furthest that we've taken her is Leaper's Fork. Okay. It's, it's, it's an old car. Yeah. It looks good. That says something in itself, right? Appearance wise, it yeah. looks perfect. It's been restored. It's, yeah. You know, new engine. Yeah. New radiator, new gotcha. paint. So, but yeah, right. it it doesn't run like a like your your car, right? Or my car. Right. So, all right. So I interviewed uh, Beth English recently, um, just the other day, and she had mentioned about the space between social media, you, and the real you, and the bigger the gap, the greater the potential for anxiety. I know you went several months during that time. Um, that you could not talk about what was really going on in your lives. Right. Um, did Beth's comment hold true during that time? Oh, my gosh. I've never thought about that before, but yes, that's Beth English. Very good point. There was a time when it was forbidden for us during our court battle to share about our kids. We couldn't, we couldn't talk about them. We couldn't post a picture or video of them lasted months I think I don't remember exactly how long probably at least a year and it felt like I couldn't actually be myself it was especially difficult for my wife but I felt it too because I couldn't I couldn't actually talk about what was really going on mm -hmm. so yeah I, to I totally agree with that I don't know how to say it better than how she put it, where the further away your social media persona is versus your in real life, the more anxiety is created. Mm -hmm. I believe that that would probably be, if I just had to explain why, it would probably be because social media isn't really like a different person. It might be entertainment and you might have a, an act that you're putting on, you know, like as a, as a performer would but it really is a reflection of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I, I couldn't feel who I really was because I was forbidden to do it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I totally agree with that. That's very interesting. And it would, um, it would make sense too, you know, if someone was more emotional and, and not even to be that and share those emotions when that's what you do. You sure. Um, yeah, so whenever she said that, I was like, man, I love that. Like, that's so true because, you know, and for me, you know, I try to be real. I mean, you can only be, you know, I'm not so thoughtful, but uh, um, but I know I've seen people that deal with the anxiety and it's caring so much what people think, but yet it's they really don't know what you're dealing with. Right. So I'm like, just put it out there. And then you, I mean, who cares if people judge you? It's freeing for yourself and you're helping somebody yeah. else, you know? I don't think people judge as much as, as much as they used to anyway. Yeah. Do you agree? Uh, probably so. I feel like it's, it's gotten more acceptable to, especially for guys. Yeah. But most guys still have a real hard time with opening up. Oh yeah. 
Right. So there probably is still that thought of it. Sure. Um, and we're all crazy. So why not just be crazy and be who you are, right? I think we're all just people. Yeah. And I, but I love the word. Well, I use the word crazy in a positive light because I like it when people say my driving's a bit crazy. I'm like, I love how I drive. You know, <laughs> I know not every fact. So, so you're the reason that the stigma of Nashville drivers exists. I, well, no, I don't hold up, man. I'm gone. I use the blinkers. <laughs> I use all lanes. Like, yeah. All right. So uh, through your story and helping others with their stories, how do you hope to, or how do you hope you are making an impact? I used to have a goal that I wanted to help the world. I wanted to help as many people as possible. Oh, millions, millions and millions and millions. And you know what happened to me when I had that goal? I got super overwhelmed. I was about to say, that was the word, overwhelmed. Why do you think I got overwhelmed? Um, probably because you were moving forward and didn't really step back and have an actual idea or foundation or goals of what you really, how you were going to do that. Exactly. How in the world am I, little Mike Lemieux, little tall Mike Lemieux, going to impact millions and the world it's too big of a goal it's a bad goal you say i want to change the world okay that's different than wanting to change everybody you don't need to change everybody so i i did take a step back and instead of saying i want to help 10 billion people which doesn't you know there aren't even 10 billion people the world I said, I want to help individuals. I want to have deep, meaningful conversations with individuals so that I can help them however they're wanting to be helped. I can't help everybody, but I believe that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? If people want my help that I can give, they're going to come and I'm going to have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But then I realized, and this goes back kind of to what I said in the beginning where I can affect tens of millions of people through my connections. If I have a conversation with somebody that has 100,000 followers on their social media platforms, and it changes them, because I help them to get past a piece of grief that they've been dealing with for the past three years, or the fear of failure, or not being accepted. If I'm able to say something that's going to affect them, guess what I just did? Mm -hmm. I just affected 100,000 mm -hmm. people, 101,000 people. And then each of those people are going to go affect other people. It, it ripples. People have affected me through the content. People listening to this right now have affected me through what they have done mm -hmm. because of the, the nature of the communication and social media that we have today. That's how it works. Yeah. Everything that you're saying to me is going to affect me and you're impacting everybody that I affect mm -hmm. vice versa. So as soon as I realized, and I hope that answers the question, mm -hmm. as soon as I realized that I should focus on one person at a time, that's when I started feeling not comfortable, but fulfilled and joy that I was actually doing something that meant something yeah oh, well, i love this the thought of of you know what you're doing within that of somebody says hey i want i want this to grow my platform and you're like all right well i don't know everything that you do but just a part of helping them to be real you know yeah. just that in itself like because i know people that they can't be real like because they're too worried about what people think so to be able to push someone past that mm -hmm. like you said 
it's going to help them so much and then help other people. So that's, I mean, that's a, that's a big purpose in itself. You know? Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. So, um, I had forgotten. Yeah. One question I, I didn't have to hear impact or, uh, influence who, who's one or two or three people that had a big influence on your life. Definitely my parents. I remember my mom loves to talk. I love when she talks. I remember being in the car all throughout my growing up years where she would just tell me about everything. Mm. She taught me how to listen. It's about to say, Ashley probably loves your mom, right? <laughs> she does. My dad helped me understand how to work when you're tired and just do it. That doesn't, that it doesn't mm. matter how <gasps> difficult something has been. You just go do it. You help people when they need help. You, it's funny, my dad was, he grew up in a tough environment. His dad was pretty tough on him. He was in Korea, World War II. Mm. So he had a pretty difficult time being able to express his feelings. But I remember over the past, I wanna say 15 years, I, I have seen my dad just crack open and let out so much love and beautiful emotion. And it, it's taught me that it's okay for me, a man, to be open. Mm -hmm. It's not weak, it's strong. To be able to express yourself, to be able to help other people. Definitely those two. Ashley has impacted me more than anyone else in, in my life. I even told her that this morning. I wouldn't be this is this is cliche. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for her. It's really true. Mm -hmm. What I have learned and how much I've been able to grow because of the time and the patience that she has given me has allowed me to become better. It's allowed me to have an opportunity to become better. I would say those three for sure are the most impactful in my life. I had a I had a mentor at Kroger Kroger's that he he was the last store manager that I had and he didn't treat me like his assistant. He treated me like like a colleague. He asked me for my opinion. He told me what we should do. He asked me what we should do. That allowed me to begin to use my brain and understand that I could have an opinion that mattered in a political world. Mm -hmm. Trying to think if there's anyone else that would be worth mentioning to this audience. I would say collectively as a group, a lot of the individuals that I've had the opportunity of meeting through social media have totally influenced what I do. And I mean, it's, I do my work more than I do anything else. I do it more than I sleep, more than I eat, box, everything. I would say over the past year, my boxing trainer has also been one of the the most critical pieces to my healing. Hmm. I, I see a therapist in Phoenix every now and again, but this this man, his name is Jared Houston. He has healed with me 
he heals, I heal. Like, it's it's difficult to explain. It's boxing. It's therapy mixed with exercise mixed with transformation, and it's it's just on another level. It's uh, it's difficult to describe other than that. Boxing has changed me, and I'm not gonna ever be in a in an amateur right. or professional fight or anything, but it's taught me discipline and hmm. and helped me to understand how I can get rid of aggression and the things that I need to let out in a healthy way. Yeah, that's interesting. I've always had some interest in looking at boxing. You know, it'd be kind of cool. You should go. It's we don't. You don't hit other people. They don't hit you. More importantly, yeah. And uh, there's several gyms around here. I go really? to the one. I go to the one on Church Street. It's title mm-hmm. boxing. It's a great, great spot. Love and the great, people there. Great exercise, right? Great exercise. You, you want to puke and you want to, <clears throat> you want to die, but in a good way. If if there is a good way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, all right. So, what advice would you give your younger self in regards to um, marriage, business, this life in general? If you could look back and say hey why don't you why don't you do this a little differently or would you i don't think i would do anything differently what i tell myself now is stay focused don't let those distractions get in your way squirrel squirrel right yeah (laughs) there's a difference between looking at a squirrel and getting distracted and looking at a squirrel and learning and wondering what that squirrel is doing. Very true. But people don't talk about that. Right. The mindless scrolling, that's squirrel. Right. But the, I wonder why this type of content does better than that. I wonder if anyone else is talking about this. What's happening with these things? That is research. That is okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good answer for that question or not, but I just, I feel like I've done pretty good so far. Mm-hmm. Messed up sometimes, but I think I've done okay. And I'm here. That's why I kind of added that last little part. It made me think, cause I'm like, sometimes whenever people go to tell their story or my, say when I talk about my experiences in college and, you know, before I made some transformations, like I don't always look at it and go, oh, my God, I feel so bad. And like Natalie, sometimes she'll be like, I don't want to talk about that. I'm like, but that was fun. Like, sure. It was, you know, we would look at it like ah, we wouldn't want our kids to do that. But <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, but that's who I I am now because of those experiences yeah. or the people you meet or you know what I mean? You, like, you, I, I, you like the way that you are now. Yeah, I do. And well, and I like how I'm even growing. Well, actually, you know what? I probably like the way I'm kind of getting more focused in the last, like, month. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I don't look back at those experiences and, and like, I mean, I had fun in college. Yeah. You know, there were some crazy experiences in there. Sure. But, um, so, yeah, so sometimes it's like, I and I, I actually, I like what you said, focus. Like, that's a big part because I think, you know, you seem very clear that you've had, you know, a a purpose pushing you forward and and i think that that's really what drives like i've made some tough decisions to leave this or go that do that you know so trucks and i had the best year and i'm like i don't like selling trucks but i like sales yeah and i get in real estate and and i'm always thankful that i had this purpose to do something more mm-hmm. to create more freedom in a sense of that allows me to be more who i am yeah you know? 
Um, and even like within real estate, there's some people that are just so focused and I want to be more focused, but I love doing this and incorporating this into who I am because there's a, you know, artist aspect, I guess, about me Yeah. to be able to create this, you know? So yeah, I think that was a great answer. I have a question for you. Yes. If you could tell somebody that wants to <clears throat> discover whatever it is that makes them happy you asked me this question mm -hmm. but i want to ask you i want i want to know what you think what do you think the most important thing is someone can do in order to discover what makes them want to get up in the morning what makes them tick yeah i don't like answering questions so uh no uh you know i think i agree it's it's i think a big part is is putting fear aside i guess one realizing that you have a fear in what there was just a fear in moving forward or making a change. And that's something that I don't think I had. I mean, I would stick with something to a point of going, am I giving, giving him my all? But then eventually talking about it. Um, I think that's a big part of if you have an idea, because you can't, I guess you can't make somebody think. Right. You know, but if you know you're thinking and you want a change, I used to, well, I managed truck drivers. And they would call in and complaining and, and I'm like, quit. Like, if you don't like the job, just quit, go do something else. Right. But it's funny. I wonder how much of that mindset and I always worked going up in college. And, um, and I think I was thinking back to one of the comments you made too, about how the hard work ethic, and I was always working hard and I never really got props because it really didn't matter in that setting, how hard you work, really, you were just working harder for no reason. Yeah. And now you get out on your own and you can. Yeah. Um, so I think it starts with the thought. I think it starts with sharing the thought for me, as I've talked about it, it gives me more accountability so just, and more excitement. So just almost manifesting it. Yeah. Just yeah. starting, Every, just going right. Yeah. And not being afraid. I mean, you got to give it, you know, I just like, like with this, it was having the conversations and, as it was evolving, if somebody would say something, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. You know, but if you hold it with into yourself, you're never going to probably do anything with it because other people get excited with you. Yeah. And I think that helps push the fear aside that you might have. You know, I like that. I don't know if anyone ever asks you questions. No, they don't. And it's funny because uh, I'm grateful that you let me ask you one because <laughs> I, I was genuinely curious. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think. And I think that that's where kind of going back to the calling part, too, and realizing that just because you're doing something and you want to do something more, like realize that there's probably some reasons that you need to explore of why you're not. You yeah, know, okay. there's a discontentment. And I'm thankful that mm -hmm. I wasn't ever just content, you know, yeah. like, and surround yourself around some great people, you know, that'll push you and all that good stuff. So. All right, so from the great words of Paul in Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? I want people to be... I want other people to be able to say to themselves that I had contact with that they're happy. That would be my legacy. I don't, I don't care about much else, really. I just want, I want people that I have the opportunity to serve to feel like they've been served. Mm. That's Cause it. you know, cause you're clear on your purpose. Yeah. I, 
when I'm dead, you know, I believe there's something after this life, and I don't believe that it involves money in my pocket and a plane or Miss Tennessee, mm-hmm. the, the truck. Uh, I do hope cars are <laughs> in heaven. They might be. <laughs> they, they might be. And I believe that some cars have a personality, and uh, yeah. some cars have a horrible personality. Right, right. But <laughs> I... That's how I'll be happy, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll feel like I did good if if people that I had contact with are, are happy mm-hmm. and are and are good and are taken care of. Cool. All right, so now we'll switch gears and do the real estate minute or two. Let's do it. How long have you lived in Nashville? A year and a half. Year and a half. I've been here eighteen years. Uh, what made you choose Nashville? Which I know why you why you moved, but why did you land here? Honestly, we had visited here several times before. Everybody here is very nice. We just love it. And it's very different than Phoenix. It's freezing right now, which it's not going to be forever. Mm. It'll be 66 <laughs> Sunday. I know. Right? What in the world are you? was wrong with you, Nashville? Uh, seasons, there's a lot of entertainment. I'm not a big country music guy, but Ashley is. The food's good. The people are amazing. So it's just different. Yeah. It's a new experience. Have you found there's a great sense of community yeah, in the city? Absolutely. A great sense of community. People, our first week, we didn't have a refrigerator, and my neighbors brought us over a huge pl- you know, thing of lasagna. I had no fridge to put the leftovers in, so I just ate most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would bring me vegetables from their garden, or you know, if I'm out of town and somebody needs to check my mail, my neighbors will do that. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's amazing. People yeah. just, it's a, it is a community here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've, I've found in, in all the different industries, people are here to lift and help each other yep. versus the competition, you know? Yep. Um, so what community did you land in and why did you choose that location? We were going to end up in Brentwood, and I'm glad we didn't. Not because it's a bad place. It's just not what we needed. We needed a place where there are people that are our age, early early 30s, that have similar-ish uh, things that they're doing. Um, so we ended up in East Nashville. Cool. We love it. Nice. A lot of great, a lot of great, uh, I got a, a guy now that's leaning this direction. Yeah. Actually, he found a make me move. It was funny, so he sends it to me. And it was make me move through Zillow. And I thought about calling the uh, the the seller. And I'm like, hey, I'm coming over there with a sign and a gun. I mean, it says make me move, so yeah. I'm making you move. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a funny way to intro the, the call, right? That would be funny. Uh, anyways, he's airbnb and all kinds of stuff, and we got two weeks before we can get in. I didn't like that. All right, so uh, tell me a great memory that you often share about Nashville. When we were deciding where we wanted to get a house, we were staying in an Airbnb and we had found our place, which was an insane process because the real estate goes so fast here. Mm-hmm. We found our place, we had an offering on it, we were getting ready to close, or we were getting ready to you know, have it done. Um, and it was a new construction, nobody was living in the other house that's on the same lot. So that's how real estate is here. Mm-hmm. Tear one down, build two up. and. We would come by at night after we were done working and stuff because we both work remotely. And we turned turned the music on, opened up the car door, and started dancing in the driveway. And 
just looking around and that was one of the first times that Ashley felt happy again mm. after we lost our kids. So Wow, that's awesome. That was a pretty that was a good time. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, all right, so what do you look for in a good real estate agent? Uh, in a good real estate agent, I want somebody that knows the area. I want somebody that can understand what I'm looking for, the vibe I'm looking for. It's easy to know bed, bath count, square footage, you know, schools, whatever. I want somebody to understand what I'm looking for without me having to tell them what it is. So somebody that knows the areas mm -hmm. so that they can say, this is what you want based off of that. Mm -hmm. And to be on the ball. Yep. That's what I want. There you go. All right. So what advice would you give someone looking to move to Nashville? Do it. Don't and hesitate. Don't hesitate. If you have an opportunity to move here or even just visit, if you visit, you'll want to move here. If you move here, you'll be glad that you do. It's a great place. There's a lot happening here. Just leave early for work if you don't leave <laughs> right. at home. And if you work from home, you're smart. How was um, traffic in Phoenix? It's horrible. Is it? Is it? As I don't know this. Oh yeah, of, it's yeah. it's probably worse than okay. Nashville. Yeah. Nashvilleians think that I know that's it's what I always awful, but I mean it is. The infrastructure of the freeway system here is right. not what it was. Which would be kind of amazing if we could fix that. Because sometimes I think that too, but then I'm like, well, you know, really, it was only like 10 minutes longer. Yeah, it's not normal, that bad. You know? It's not that bad. Uh, but yeah, I'm like 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Like, let's avoid the traffic if I can. That's all right, right, Mike. Well, that's all the questions I have. And that was a few. And I, and I don't have any more for you all either. Right, good, so we're good. good. I was kind of sweating, <laughs> sweating over here. Uh, actually, it's funny, though, because as I've asked questions, I, I would think, yeah, I don't know if I can answer that one that quick. You know what I mean? Uh, so thankfully, most that I have... I have interviewed, or almost all, like, you know, are well-spoken and are used to that. So how can the uh, audience connect with you? The main way is to find me on Instagram or my website. My Instagram is Mike Lemieux. My last name is L-E-M-I-E-U-X. My website is easy, MikeSocial.com. Cool. And they can go on there and find the... Uh, the social growth e-course, right? Yep. You can talk to me. I like to talk to people that want to want to learn how to grow so I know how to help them, what they're looking for and what they're after, if my program's a good fit for them, mm -hmm. if they're a good fit for my program. But yeah, that's the first step to go to the website or you can just follow along what we're doing and see Miss Tennessee every now and then when she pops in there and have a good time. Cool. All right, Mike. Well, appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. After that conversation, if you did not know much about social media and marketing and all that there is with that, um, you do now. Also, I loved how he spoke to just being in a, uh, a job that he just didn't love. And he uh, stepped out and now he does his thing and has been uh, very successful. Uh, it reminded me a lot of um, uh, Stephen Rose, his uh, at the conversation we had with the peach truck Um so, you know, people are speaking to, if you don't like a job, don't necessarily just leave immediately, but definitely give it thought, um, you know, question yourself. What are you doing? What is your pur purpose? I know uh, Mike and I talked a lot about that. And um, so, yeah, great conversation. Hopefully, uh, I, well, not hopefully. I know you got a lot of great stuff. If you listen to the uh, the whole conversation, um, Mike had a lot of, a lot of great things to, to say. 
The sponsors for the podcast are the one and only me, Andrew Buckwalter, with Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. If you have any real estate needs in Nashville, if you're looking to buy or sell or looking for investment properties, make sure to give me a shout. I love doing the podcast. I love meeting new people. I love sharing the stories and sharing what others are doing in Nashville. But first of all, I love real estate. So I am here to help you. If you have any lender needs, make sure to give Brandon Hutchison a shout with Legacy Mutual. And if you are in need of a good title, David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow would love to have your business. Next week, make sure to tune in. Haley Rowe maybe joins me. Actually, I, I uh, sat down with her right after Mike in the same place. So I didn't even have to tear down and set up the uh, the Rambler. It was pretty nice. Um, she works with, yeah, and that is Youth Empowerment Through Arts and Humanities. We had a great conversation, talked about a lot of great stuff, and, and her being a Nashville native, she was able to speak to uh, a lot of the change around the city. Um, actually, um, ironically, she she went through the same um, program that when she was a kid that she now is the uh, program manager for. So that was pretty cool. So make sure to uh, check out that next week. Also, if you want to connect with Mike, you can uh, check out the show notes for um, how you can reach out to him and connect. And also the shout outs that he gave are in the show notes as well. As always, thanks for tuning in to Nashville Untold. If you did like it and enjoyed it, think this would be beneficial for somebody else, feel free to uh, share it with your friends and family and on social media. You know, that's kind of all we talked about, right? Social media. Anyway, so uh, thanks again for your time, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. And now, crank up the volume for a little Hammered Dulcimer by Ted Yoder released right now it's called storm and it was written um, while I was in my in-laws library looking out the picture window to the west and watching a massive thunderhead just coming in and so uh, while I was tuning and just playing around in there I just the storm started coming and I just started playing along with it and that's cool. that's what we brought well, out of wow. it yeah <laughs> you didn't like ride it you just started playing yeah 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 it, it pretty much wrote itself in like Ten minutes. Was... Wow. <laughs>
We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time, 